0: To John chapter 10. As you do that, I want to invite uh, Jack, Ben, and Ed Fossum up to give me a hand this morning. Do something a little different. Come on up, guys. Uh, If you're using one of the blue chair Bibles, uh, the text is going to be on page 896. Uh, someone once said, I don't know who originally said it, that the job of the preacher is to, come on up guys, is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Uh, this morning is, uh, we're comforting the afflicted, um, not these guys, uh, but uh, the next couple weeks we'll start afflicting the comfortable as we look into Jonah. But, um, but today's a comfort day and so I want to start here and Ben, come here, thanks buddy. Okay, good. All right, and then the prop. Who's got it? (laughs) Beth, is it back there? There we go. Beth the superhero, right? Everybody give it up for Beth. (laughs) Perfect. All right. I know, I know. <laughs> I should have told Beth about the prop. That's a <laughs> All right, we got a toy right here. Ben, is this your toy? Who is this? Mario. Mario, okay, good. Excellent toy, 16-bit or 8-bit toy here. Um, okay, Ben, this toy. Here, come on over here. Come on over here. There you go. It's okay. I'm going to give this toy to you, but then... I'm going to tell Jack to try to take this toy from you. Now, who's older, you or Jack? Say it into the mic. There we go. Jack. Okay. <laughs> who's bigger, you or Jack? Jack. Yeah. Do you guys ever fight over toys? Yeah. Good. Good confession. Confession, good for the soul. <laughs> Beth, we got it on record. This is recorded and going to the internet. All right. Now, you can hold on to this as tight as you can. Here, why don't you hold on to that as tight as you can, okay? Or, here's an option, because again, I'm going to let Jack do whatever he can to get that toy. Yeah. You can either hold on to it really tight or you can give the toy to me. What do you think? Which one would be safer from Jack? You holding on to it or me holding on to it? Okay, why don't you hand that to me? Because here's the other thing. Why would it be safer? Because you're bigger. Yeah, I'm bigger. That's right. Now, here's the other deal. If you give this to me, I'm going to pass it to your dad to keep safe. Now, of all the people up here, who's the biggest, strongest person? on this stage? I don't know. You don't know? I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) Who's bigger, me or your dad? I don't know. All right, let's stand next to each other. Ready? Here, come here, Ed. Who's bigger? Daddy. There you go. That's right. Your dad is the biggest one up here. So, as far as things being safe, who has the toy the safest of the people up here? Say it again? Daddy. That's right. Good. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll take the toy because I'm going to use it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Possum Boys. Everybody give them a hand. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about safety. And... Again, I'm glad, I'm glad that worked out because I've seen many times where that sort of stuff doesn't work out. So thank you, Fossum Boys. Um, but right, that toy was safest in Ed's hands. Ed is, was the biggest, strongest guy up here. And Ben knew for his toy to actually be safe, he needed to put it in his father's hands. And Jesus in our story today, in our section of tests, is going to use a very similar metaphor. And he's not going to talk about Ed's hands, but he's going to talk about his own hands and God the Father's hands. And the safety that his sheep, his people, have in those hands. So our big idea this morning, if you're following along, and the outline provided in your your bulletin is this. If we belong to Jesus, we have the secure promise of eternal life. So let's start John chapter 10. We're going to begin in verses 22 to 24. This is going to set the setting for our text this morning. Follow along as I read. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon so the Jews gathered around him and said to him how long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Christ tell us plainly so John tells us what part of the year it was this was during the feast of dedication or what we know today as hanukkah and he tells us it was winter so Jesus is in a part of the temple called the colonnade of Solomon. So the people who knew the temple would have known exactly where Jesus was. And as he's there, there is a group of Jewish people who come around him and say to him, verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. They want to know, they want to know from Jesus to speak plainly, to say if he is the promised Savior or not. Now, we don't know specifically if the tone of the question, we don't know if this was a combative question or if it was a sincere question. But what is clear in this text is that they see Jesus as the problem. The reason they don't know is because he to quote them, has not spoken plainly enough. And in Jesus' response in the next verses, he responds by saying, look, I'm not the problem. So let's look at verses 25 to 27. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe me because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now Jesus' response is a little interesting because we don't have a verse in our Bible where Jesus says, I am the Christ. But in Jesus' mind, outside of conversations with the Samaritan woman in John 4, and a conversation with the disciples in Matthew 16, even though the people don't think he is speaking plainly, Jesus here, he believes he spoke plainly. And since we believe Jesus doesn't lie, we need to understand how he spoke plainly. Look at what he says in verse 25. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. This has led commentators and scholars to understand that what Jesus is saying is that he spoke plainly through his miracles, but also when we look at the rest of the Gospels, we see all the different terms that Jesus did use for himself, where he did call himself the Son of Man, which was a title used for the Messiah. And later on in this text, he's going to call himself the Son of God. And so in Jesus' mind, he's not the problem. They are the problem because he has been clear enough. One author writes about this. When Jesus says, I did tell you, he is not referring to an explicit statement. Had he spoken plainly that they would have misunderstood him for their notions of messiahship could not embrace a suffering servant or a kingdom not immediately political and military. At the same time, All of his ministry, both words and deeds, pointed in the one direction. In that sense, he had told them. The problem is not in Jesus' clarity, because through his miracles and through his other words, he had been clear enough, but we see the problem in verse 26. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. And Jesus in verse 27 returns to a truth we saw last week in the beginning of John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Throughout John 10, we see Jesus give us categories of how do I know I am a believer in Jesus? How do I know I belong to Jesus? How do I know that I am one of his sheep? Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How do you know you're a believer in Jesus? You follow him in faith, in believing that he is who he says he is, the promised Savior sent by God to die and rise again so that our sins could be forgiven and that we would have the hope of eternal life. And then those sheep also follow his voice in obedience. And so we see this connection. It's not that Jesus has spoken plainly. The fact that they don't know is showing them that they are not one of his sheep. In the first part of our text today, they say, Jesus, you just haven't been speaking well enough. But Jesus says, you don't believe because you are not mine. And again, we return to this theme of true sheep of Jesus, true followers of Jesus follow in faith, their personal trust in Christ, and follow in obedience to his commands. It's at this time in verses 28 to 30 that Jesus turns his attention to those who do belong to him to those who are his sheep, who follow his voice in faith and obedience. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning, in this powerful text of verses 28 to 30. And we're going to see, as you're seeing your outline there, the security of the sheep. Follow along as I read verses 28 to 30. I give them, that is my sheep, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's break down what Jesus says in these verses, let's begin with the beginning of verse 28. I give them eternal life. There is no earning of eternal life among the sheep of Jesus. Any life that we have is a gift from Him. The reason that I highlight this is because every other religion outside of Christianity is performance-based, meaning if you do enough good to outweigh your bad, that gives you whatever view of eternal life or heaven that that religion has. Not so with Christianity, not so with followers of Jesus The eternal life that Jesus has is not based on our performance, but based on being a gift from Jesus. Now, why is that important and what does that have to do with security? If eternal life, if our salvation is a gift, then... It is not based on my ability to earn it. And because if it was based on my ability to earn it, I would not. I want you to think of the anxiety you would feel if you knew that heaven was based on your ability to be good. Now the Bible is pretty clear. We have a high view of ourselves. But at the same time, and the older and older I get, the more I understand this, nobody knows how bad you are more than you do. The older I get, the more I understand my sin and how sin infects like a virus everything I do. And if I'm honest with myself, If I understood my eternity to be on the basis of my ability to be good, I would be in terror for my life every day. But eternity does not happen that way with Jesus. And thank God it doesn't. My eternity is not based on my performance, but is based on what Jesus did for me on the cross. He died for me. He rose again to complete the transaction. And because of that, he can give to me as a free gift eternal life. And he never takes his gifts back. Friends, there is security in that we are saved by the gift of God's grace, not by our ability to be good. And since those who belong to Christ in faith are given eternal life, the second promise there is true, and they will never perish. When God gives eternal life, he doesn't say, you can only have this as long as you're good enough. (laughs) When Jesus gives eternal life, you have it securely. And if you have eternal life, you will never perish. You will never die in your sin and the punishment of hell that it deserves. In fact, if we have eternal life, as a gift and it says we will never perish that means that our death in this life is not the end that when he says eternal life that begins the day that you accept Christ as your Savior and that continues on into eternity and you will never perish and again notice the strong language The language is not, and you probably won't perish. You've got good odds on this one. (laughs) No, it's you will never perish. There is a certainty and a finality to it that, again, cannot be promised and is not promised anywhere else in this world. But how can Jesus make these claims? That's the third promise there of verse 28. and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The reason I did the object lesson this morning is because it's the same object lesson that Jesus uses in the text. What is the picture of our life? Like this little toy in the hand of Jesus. And what does Jesus say about his hand? And no one will snatch them out of my hand. The picture is of Jesus holding on to us tightly. Notice the picture is not us holding on to Jesus. But Jesus holding on to us. One author writes about this, the ultimate security of Jesus's sheep rests with the good shepherd. And not only the hand of Jesus, because again, he is talking to Jewish people, That's the context to which he is speaking. He continues on in verse 29 to highlight, to intensify the security of the believer. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Again, the picture, I said to Ben, you can give me the toy, and if I have the toy, I'm going to give it to your dad, who's the biggest guy up here. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if I have your life in my hand, God the Father, who is greater than all, has you in his hand. Again, one scholar writes about this, if the Father is greater than all things or persons, there is no force or being sufficient to sever the relationship between the true believer and Jesus Christ. In short, as Paul would say to the Colossian believers, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There can be no greater security. Again, keep that picture in your mind of your life. If you are a believer in Jesus, your life is held tight in the hand of the Father. And no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. And to bring this part of the text to a close and perhaps to jab at the people who, ta- who asked him, why don't you speak plainly? Jesus concludes this part of the text with verse 30. How is he able to offer this security? How is he able to say, if you believe in me, you will be held in the hand of God the Father? He plainly says in verse 30, I and the Father are one. Now we see from the rest of the chapter, the people who were listening know exactly what he has done because they try to kill him by throwing rocks at him. They try to stone Jesus for what he has said. and You can read about that in the rest of John chapter 10. But it is because Jesus is more than a man He is both God and man. It is because of that that his death secures our salvation and our eternal life. It is because of his unity with God the Father that he is able to offer by his grace with full guarantee salvation and eternal life. That is how he can hold on to us. and that he can remain faithful even when we are not. There is great comfort in the security that Jesus offers you today. Because it is a security that is offered nowhere else. that your security today and into eternity is possible through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to read to you from a catechism called the New City Catechism. Some of our kids are using this in their in their Sunday school currently. I want you to listen the question and answer number one. And this is also historically from the Heidelberg Catechism if, you're, if you come from that tradition. Question and answer number one, what is our only hope in life and in death? Answer, that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is your only hope and comfort in this life and in death? That those who belong to Jesus are safe in his arms. Your comfort does not come from your ability to be good. Your comfort does not come from your ability to be better than the person sitting next to you. There's no sliding scale, there's no grading on a curve. But security is possible, and security is possible through faith in Jesus Christ and being held safe in his hands. So how do we apply this? Let me give you three categories for applying these truths today to your life. The first one is security in my life today. Part of understanding the security we have in Christ is that it's not just for then. It's not just for the future. It's not just for when we die. We'll get to that in a second. But sometimes I think that's the only time we think about it. We only think, well, sometime later I'll be safe with Jesus. And that's true, and we're going to get to that. But what you need to see is that if you have placed your faith in Christ, you are in his hands now. I want to steal a line from him, great is thy faithfulness. What does it say? Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. See, security in Christ is not just for tomorrow, it's for today. Let me give you other promises from your Bible that talk about the comfort and security we can have today. Because we are secure in Christ, Matthew 6, 31 to 34, therefore do not be anxious, Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you're a believer in Christ, you can feel the security of God today. 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's for today. Security today means turning to God in prayer. Security today means that I can obey without worrying about my life. Security today means that I am not enslaved to my fear. So we have security in our lives today. The second category I want to give you this morning is security in our salvation. You cannot out-sin the salvation that Christ has won for you. No person can take away the forgiveness that you find in Christ. Nothing can separate you from the redemption that is yours in Jesus Christ. It is because... It's not because you cling so tightly to Jesus that you are saved. You are saved because it is a gift of grace by which he has taken hold of you. Let me read to you from Second Timothy chapter 2. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And since our salvation is secure, that leads us to the third category of security in life and in death. One of the reasons... That I chose to do the Gospel of John. Some of you already know this. But the Gospel of John was very important to my grandfather. He had all the grandkids, he had a reading plan. He said, read the Gospels four times and then read the Gospel of John four more times. It was one of his favorite books. And I actually read from this text at his funeral because of the security that he had in Christ, we could face his death and he could face his own death. Because he knew that his life was held safe in the hands of his Savior. This is a reality that can either send us into terrible fear or can give us the hope that we need for today and the future. Those who belong to Christ, death is not the end. And in fact, if we belong together in Christ, that means our lives together will not even be separated by death. Because Jesus gives his people, eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, your eternity is safe in the hands of God. Romans 8, 38, and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I did a little silly lesson about a little toy. But just as this toy was safe in my hands and safe in Ed's hands, your life is safe in the hands of your God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the comfort of your word that if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, that our today and our future, our eternity, and our salvation is safe in his hands that we would better understand the security that your grace offers us this morning, and that we would celebrate the life that we have in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. stand together keep my hope